Athens Citizen of the Year is selected by the people who won the award the previous five years. For 2020, that was Drew Douglas, Willie Robson, Milburn Cheney, Freddie Paul, and Steve Barksdale. With the pandemic in mind, this year the group decided to honor the medical community of Athens. Here's Steve Barksdale. We want to honor, as Citizen of the Year 2020, the team of doctors that we have and then the doctor society we have here, the administrators that we have for each one of these facilities that help generate what we have here, uh, the nursing staff from the nurses at the hospital, they have to endure a different type of thing that nurses at the assisted living have, all the different things that they have to deal with. We're looking at clinical people that are behind the scenes that are in the labs and, and helping serve and then we're looking at non-clinical, which is those people that have to clean up every day and every hour. They're walking down the halls with a mop and with a spray and with a wipe down. And, you know, they're trying to keep the COVID from even coming close to us. And then our first responders, you know, how would it be like if you and I went in to help somebody and they're dying of COVID and we don't have any protection other than we're just going to pick them up and take, carry them, put them in the ambulance, you know or air flight them, something like that. You know, it's just, it's it's mind-boggling to me that they have the heart and the passion, which is their, that's what they've chose to do. But think about, put yourself in their shoes. What do they feel like when they have to go home and thinking, well, you know, do I have COVID? Am I taking it home with me, you know? And um, it, I, I, the fear factor's there, and, and only by the grace of God that we've been blessed that, we have this group of people that we can at least highlight and we just didn't want to leave anybody out and so we want to make sure that anybody that's healthcare provider of Athens, Texas deserves to be our citizen of the year for 2020. To highlight the medical community, we chose to talk with someone from each of the major areas Steve mentioned. Doctors, nurses, administrators, clinical, non-clinical, and first responders. Today, our guest is Dr. Michael Swartwood. Uh, my name is Michael Swartwood. I've been in Athens now for seven and a half years. Um, May will make eight years practicing, uh, will be eight full years the beginning of July. Uh, my wife and I moved here from Fort Worth where I did my residency. And I mean, really from day one, we hit the ground running. We've been here now what I can't believe it's again almost eight eight years uh, three children uh, that all go to Central Athens Elementary fifth third and first grade that would be Levi Briley and Gabby I do full scope family practice my oldest patient is currently 97 years old my youngest patient is seven days old I still deliver babies I still do hospital work I still do ICU work I do c-sections and uh, still maintain a very busy clinic. You are the quintessential family doctor. Yeah, I'm the old school family doc that that you read about and that you don't get to see as often, just for various reasons, but we still have a very strong family medicine presence in Athens. Uh, very, uh, more rural areas, the more less crowded areas, that type of doctor is still Correct. very common. 
Um, and although this is the first time I've ever had the chance to interview you, you and I have run into each other many, many, many times before. Uh, a lot of times on the sidelines, you've actually spent time being the, the team doctor for some of our football teams, some of the things like that. Yes, correct. Uh, very involved in the community. And so um, we thought that you would really have a good sense of what's been going on with doctors during the pandemic. And so let's start big picture really quick. Um, we're coming up on a year. March is when uh, Governor Abbott declared an emergency in Texas. What was it like? What's it been like for physicians in Athens to try and deal with pandemic levels here in the city? It's been a process. It started out as pretty much non-belief, disbelief of, oh, there's a virus. What's it going to do? How's it going to affect us? The initial reports were similar to the flu, slightly more contagious with a initially slightly lower death rate than the flu. And as it progressed and as it traveled with the increased mode of transmission, the increased risk of transmission, we were seeing more of the deaths that finally ultimately came with it. So that death rate did rise. Uh, it was initially just utter chaos. We didn't know exactly what it was. We didn't know how to find it. Initially, your symptoms were cough, shortness of breath, fever, and you know, traveled to Wuhan, China, or were in contact with somebody. Right, from China. right. Other than other than the contact or the outside stuff, exactly. the um, the symptoms mirrored so many other things. It mirrors flu, allergies, sinus infections. In the spring, they continued to add different uh, symptoms to the diagnosis, which basically runs the gamut from a runny nose to diarrhea. And literally everything in between. So, and the one thing I want to I want to like really focus on mm -hmm. with you is less the disease and sure. more what you've experienced, and that had to be that had to be difficult. And it's not you; it was everybody, right. the entire country, every doctor in the country is dealing with this at that particular time. But just trying to get your head around and your hands on exactly what COVID nineteen was. Correct, and that was the frustration initially. It was the chaos of these symptoms could be anything, trying to differentiate between that, trying to help the county, the city, come up with a plan to prevent, decrease the transmission, and identify the virus when testing was significantly limited. Initially, we had no tests for it. The tests started to come out. We did multiple podcasts early on and different interviews trying to talk about hand washing and all the important things of prevention. So from day one, once we realized, oh, this is going to affect us, it was foot on the gas, try to figure out what it is. And initially, anytime I saw a patient that may have had it, I would go in the back door of the house. I would go take a shower, change out of everything before I even went close to the rest of my family. And so, I mean, it affected me at work. It affected me at home. I was getting text messages, phone calls, which I know what a lot of the physicians were, to try to figure out what the next step was for everybody. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and you just brought it up a little bit, is emotionally, how did this impact doctors in town to try and deal with first this un 
inability to really understand the disease and then the realization that, hey, this is a real thing and the numbers are just piling up. It was frustrating and frightening initially. You're getting reports from New York that doctors that are dealing with are getting the disease and dying. And, you know, much like a firefighter running into a burning building, that's your job. You're going to do it. And we ran out of gloves. We ran out of gowns. We ran out of everything initially. Because when you, ha when you have a pandemic, all of your protective equipment, everybody wants it. And when you're a town of 10,000 people, you get it well after the towns of 2 million people. And so, you know, to this day, I wear an N95 particle mask multiple days in a row because I don't know if that box is going to be the last box we have. When you're supposed to only wear it once. Yeah, you're supposed to wear it per patient encounter. I remember very distinctly a year, year and a half ago, if you wore anything out of an operating room, if you went into a, a procedure and you had your your uh, cap or your shoe covers on, you would be asked to remove them because of the risk of contamination or spreading something. And now it's not uncommon to just wear those all the way around the hospital and just chain out, change out a glove, the gloves or a gown prior to your patient interaction. So what's it been like on your families? It's been an experience uh, initially that, hey, I'm home, but I can't touch you, to where it's now much more commonplace. And, well, how many COVID did you see today? How many did you see today? You're, you're, you're seeing some days none, some days 10. And, you know, it, it does have a toll on your family, you're, especially when you work in a small town, you're seeing patients in the hospital. It can't not affect them. Yeah, and it's a lot of when you say that and you work in a small town, right? These names are they're not just for the most part, they're it's not, not just patient patients. A, B, and C. Right. It's in the bigger Tom town. down the street. Yeah. And regardless of whether you're, you know, you're not going home talking about patients and names, but a lot of the times those patients tell your your spouse, Oh, such and such is my doctor. I saw him today, blah, blah, blah. So they know Sure. Most of our patient clientele generally from conversation around town. And so it is affecting close to home because you're losing people that are more than just a patient. You're losing friends and neighbors and colleagues and no one is completely immune to it. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, it strikes everywhere. Um, and for a small town like ours um i've always, i said the first time we went around this in, in in around the fourth of july everybody knew somebody who had covid this time around everybody knows someone who's died from covid well and i would say everybody knows someone who's died recently yeah uh, because at one point it was oh yeah my cousin's friend died a couple months ago now the email from church about Patients that have died continues every week of such and such died of COVID. And so, again, it's affecting the people that we know. As a whole, as you're in your role as um, the president of the county's medical association, how are doctors coping? Is there, what, is there anything happening to try and help 
doctors deal with the type of situations that you're in. I mean, I guess there's always the knowledge that a pandemic may happen, uh, but it's so rare for us. I mean, you could have you could have easily assumed you'd go your whole career and never see anything like this. Correct. The physicians in Henderson County and the Henderson County Medical Society also includes Malakoff, Gun Barrel City, and the physicians that work there are a very cohesive unit. When you have a bunch of doctors, generally thought as a bunch of egotistical people that really don't get along with anybody, and our group as a whole, whether you're a direct competitor or a partner, is very cohesive. Uh, we share resources when we can. We share experiences when we can. If we find, if I find something out now that helps, and I notice this, I'm going to tell people, whether they're my partners or not, because it's really for the greater good. And so as far as any kind of coping mechanism, at this point, we don't have one. Uh, the Henderson County Medical Society largely is set up for continued education of the physicians. We used to meet once a month to discuss things, to discuss what's going on around the state. TMA would generally send a representative to discuss, hey, this is what's going on in Austin that's going to affect you. And so we would have a lot of educational dinners, whether it's a specialist from Dallas, San Antonio, wherever, just to talk about things and educate. And since COVID, that's basically been stopped. So now as the president of the Medical Society, I'll, I'll occasionally be reached out for to from some of the smaller doctors of, hey, I've got a bunch of patients that are interested in the COVID vaccine. How can I get them vaccinated? Where do we go? Um, hey, we're running out of PPE. Can you reach out to one of the other medical societies, see if they have extra, which, of course, initially nobody did. Uh, right. We're in the same place now with the vaccine as we were with the testing and the PPE at the yes, beginning. Yes, we are giving out vaccines at three different distinct sites in Athens that I know of currently. Uh, my clinic, Lakeland Medical Associates, there's also Dr. Christopher Johnson and Brookshire's Pharmacy, both in Athens and Gun Barrel. Um, uh, we are giving out vaccines as quickly as we can in a safe manner because we get a limited amount of vaccines. If you've read anything about the vaccine, you know that you need to wait 15 minutes afterwards to make sure there's no reactions and once that vial is open, you have to use it within a certain amount of time. And so it's not like a flu shot where you just pop somebody with a flu shot and move on to the next one. These come in specific multi-use vials that need to be used. And if you have somebody miss an appointment, cancel an appointment, you're throwing a dose out because it's almost impossible to get somebody last minute to come in for that dose. Plus you have all the added headache of trying to do the documentation Online registration, and documentation, documentation. On top of running a regular clinic because I don't have the extra – they send the vials. They don't send a staff person to give the vials, right? They don't send me an extra nurse or pharmacist who can give the injection. So on top of maintaining a clinic that is functioning and seeing patients every day, we're also trying to give the vaccine as, as best we can. My receptionists are running out of time in the day because we just get – inundated with phone calls from people, not just Athens, Athens, Gun Barrel, Palestine, Tyler, Dallas, trying to get on a list just to get the vaccine. Yeah. And, and that's a great point that you make too. I mean, I, one of the things you hear people say, 
they're, they're saying it sarcastically is, oh, all other diseases have gone away since COVID. Well, the truth is, no, they haven't. You're still every day seeing people who have strep throat sure. and regular issues and hopefully coming in and their kids still getting their vaccines and their regular vaccines and all that. It is back to almost business as usual as far as that. We have seen a significant decrease in influenza. Uh, I still see probably a patient or two a week. I still see a large amount of strep. And then obviously your allergies, cold and flu, and other symptomatic upper respiratory illnesses with the added, oh, I need to know if it's COVID so I can go back to school or not. Right. Or go back to work and sure. not infect people. And so what used to be a, yeah, it's, it's going to be a virus. It's not anything else. You're fine. Go back. Has changed. When I was in school, unless I was about to die, I was going to school. Sure. Unless I had a fever of 104. Now, if you get anywhere near a fever or a cough or any other symptom, you got to get evaluated. And so we're doing these rapid COVID swabs as quickly as we can. But even that, it's a 15-minute test. But if you have 50 tests, they back up. Sure, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's one of those things that I think that, that you don't think about the impact beyond, you know, we're looking at, oh, people are in the hospital, the hospital is overflowed or whatever. The impact just on the day-to-day -day work in the clinic has really ballooned. And it's that, changed completely. And that's the same thing. I mean, because we also want to talk about doctors who are not just in your clinic. You have the single doctors. You have doctors who work out mm -hmm. of the hospital. You have, uh, uh, I don't know, doctors have to go to nursing homes and work in nursing homes and these kind of places. And all of that has to have changed. Yep. So we'll take that really kind of one location at a time. So your clinic, we've already gone through that. The volume has significantly increased across the board. But when you talk about the hospital, the, the numbers wax and wane. One of the things that I find frustrating and fascinating about this disease process is when you get somebody that really needs to be in the hospital from COVID, it is so unpredictable from day to day. You could have a conversation with one person that morning and that night they're on a breathing machine. I mean, it is the most frustrating thing to have everything going well, going well, going well, and then they fall off a cliff and, and they can't breathe. And then these patients end up, as I know has been belabored in really any discussion, they're in the hospital forever. If you have pneumonia or a bad urinary tract infection or flu, that turns into pneumonia. You're in the hospital. You're, you're getting better in two days. And if not, we change the antibiotic, change the course of care. And usually most patients are better and out of the hospital in five to seven days on a very sick patient. Now you'll have patients in for two weeks, three weeks longer. And it's changing how we manage them completely. We, we don't have backup options. We give the regimen of medications that is most likely to allow the body to continue to heal itself. And we just watch and wait, really. I mean, there's not a lot of game-changing things. I can't, you know, put a patient on a breathing machine for three days and assume they're going to get better and then take them off the breathing machine like we would do with really bad cases of pneumonia. And so that 
uh, alluding to your fact, is causing a lot of backup at the hospital. I mean, there are patients that have not seek, not sought care, especially very early in the pandemic. And then by the time they get to the hospital, they're that much sicker because they just never went in. And so the, the hospitalists, which we do have here in Athens, we have some full-time hospitalists and some that fill in. I mean, there are days that they're just getting overworked and slammed. Um, a lot of the local doctors, even the independent doctors, uh, Dr. Sander Malikoff, Dr. Johnson here in town, or Dr. Edwards, all still do their own hospital patients. And so some days, you know, you have a couple, and then some days you have 20. Wow. And that's not normal to have that many. If you're a, if no. you're a doctor like Dr. Johnson here in Athens, it's not normal to have that many patients in the no. hospital at one time. You'll average generally, depending on the age and, and severity of your population, three to five a day. And most of them you have a game plan of, yeah, they'll probably go home in three or five days. You know, right. these patients that just keep stacking up because you just can't get them better. You know, every day when I have a patient, it's like, well, can I go home today? And I don't think they're ready. I, I tell them straight up, if you go home today, it's not good. Trust me, I want to get you out of here. If I can get you home today, that's one less thing I have to deal with tomorrow. Right. So we're all trying to get patients out and we're doing things that normally we wouldn't do. We're sending patients out on oxygen that normally we would wait till they get off the oxygen because we physically need the space. Um, when you talk about nursing homes, most of the nursing homes, yes, need a doctor. We have several doctors that go to them. They have nurse practitioners, PAs that go out and see the patients there. Most of them are still on some form of lockdown. And in order to go see the patients in the nursing homes, you're having to undergo regular COVID swabs because, as we've seen, getting an outbreak in a nursing home is catastrophic. Right, because in a nursing you're already home, in by definition, you have yep. the demographic that is the most at risk yes. from COVID-19. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, I think that when we talked about when the citizens of the year, the citizen of the year committee wanted to really talk about the medical, uh, community, it was important to remember that so much of that happens in a nursing home and the rehabs and those kind of environments here in, in Athens. Um, and that had to be, that has to be such a difficult place to work for a doctor right now. Yes, it's it's a lot more difficult. You're having, again, the sicker population that as soon as somebody gets it there, they end up getting quarantined and trying to identify who they've been around because of that risk is very difficult. So um, you've already talked a little bit about some of the things that have changed. Now, what do you see that maybe, you know – has have you seen anything that's changed that will be permanently changed here in Athens in, in medicine? I think a greater attention to hygiene, if that makes sense, whether it be more hand sanitizer, hand washing, or just cleaning things better. You know, it's, it's, you don't want to think about something not being completely clean when you go places, but in all reality, you cannot be perfectly clean. It doesn't matter how many times you wipe it down. Sure. And so paying more attention to detail, getting better procedures, using technology for that in a much better manner, I think will stick. I know when this all started as well, trying to find hand sanitizer was impossible. Right. It, and the toilet paper were gone. Sure. So now hand sanitizers everywhere. You walk into anywhere, there is hand sanitizer available 
literally anywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Yeah, I don't know too many people that don't have one or two. They have one in the car. They got got one in their bag or whatever. Uh, My wife doesn't go anywhere without a hand sanitizer. If I need hand sanitizer, I just hold out my hand and I get a little Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So with all of this that's going on, and you mentioned it a little bit about how um, there's a sense of teamwork within the, the medical association. Are the doctors in in Athens specifically kind of in unison in what's going on with the pandemic and 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 how we're trying to treat it and what's going what what you're facing and, and I guess I see what you we have we have heard other places where there have been some um, dissension within the ranks of doctors about what exactly the pandemic is. Do we see any of that here? Not for anybody that I've talked to regularly. Um, you know, I know you're going to get, and this is an issue with everything, not just medicine. You're going to get somebody that says they've got the latest, greatest, or uh, well, yeah, that's, they're going to say that this isn't real, sure. or they're going to say that it's not as bad as they say it is. I have not talked to a physician in Athens that I see regularly, whether it, the clinic or the hospital, or even some of the doctors that don't do hospital work anymore that thinks that this is a hoax or that it's not affecting them because you're seeing you're like you alluded to earlier, you're seeing people die and you're hearing people that die from it. And you're going to get the, the one or two people that say, yeah, well, they're probably dying from something else. And for whatever reason, sure. But I've had more death certificates or notifications than I've ever had. And it's just, it'll be random. It'll be from somewhere, somewhere else. Right. Well, and it's like you said, I mean, you, you hear, you hear that idea that, oh, it's pneumonia and all this, but it's different. It's, it's totally it's different. It's not different. Pneumonia two years ago compared to the pneumonia case yeah. you get today that's COVID related is totally different. They're two different diseases Correct. practically. All right. So, um, tell me, is there a specific moment in the last year that stands out in your mind, either good or bad, about COVID and, and dealing with the pandemic that, that just sticks in your memory that you think about? For me, it's probably going to be when I lost my first patient from it, honestly. Um, no matter, what I did, I felt like I, I just was fighting an uphill battle. And when you get a real COVID crisis, when they go down, they go down fast. And the old, like we talked about, the things that we normally do don't always work. And it's frustrating in medicine. Uh, I was talking with one of my partners yesterday, Dr. Splinter, and he goes, Mike, I like to know that I'm making a difference. When I'm doing this, I know my outcome. I know what I'm getting to, whether it's treating pneumonia, stroke. You know, we know beginning, we know end. With this, we don't know where that end is. We don't know what's going to happen. We hope that by giving the medicines, by doing the oxygen, by doing the things we know prove to increase survivability, that it's going to work. And that's got to be the toughest thing. I mean, you know that if I do this, okay, if this is what's going on, 
this is my answer. Right. And if that doesn't work, I've got answer B. And then usually by answer B, we've got it figured out and we're good to go. And I know my playbook. There's no playbook. It's it's very limited. Yeah, it's It's very limited. limited. It's like hand it off to the guy and run up the middle every time. Yes. Yeah, right. Sometimes it works, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And that's got to be very, very frustrating. Um, What do you see as the physician's role in the pandemic in Athens specifically? It's multifaceted at this point. Right now, if you'd asked me six weeks, two months ago about whether or not I was going to get the vaccine, I probably would have said, yeah, I'm not sure yet. As a younger individual, really not a lot of health issues, I would have a higher risk of dying in a car wreck than dying of COVID. Tell my patients that every day when they ask about it. However, I see myself having a responsibility to others to not only get the vaccine, but promote its use. I think that it's going to help. And I think that over time, it's going to slowly bring this down. It's not just like treating the the virus. It's not a single thing that's going to help it, right? Trying to promote the hand washing, trying to promote, hey, this is education. This is what you do when you get it. This is things that will help, will help. This is things you need to watch out for. Plus down the road, getting that vaccine, I cannot honestly sit here and say, oh, yeah, if everybody gets the vaccine, it'll be gone next year. But I think that if we get a good enough amount of people to get the vaccine, do what they should do, hand wash, and be responsible, that I think you're going to see a completely different spring next year than you're going to see this year. And you think that as a physician, it's your role and it's the role of physicians to kind of model that kind of... Yeah, I do. I had somebody the other day ask me if I was going to rob them when I walked into their store with a mask on. And my response was, no, I wear a mask because I don't want my patients griping and saying, I saw you at such and such place right. without wearing a mask. Sure. Right. Just like wearing a seatbelt. Does it keep you from surviving every car wreck? No. Does it make a difference? Yes. Can I put that into a number and quantify it? No. But if I save myself 10% and you 10% by wearing a mask or being 10 feet away, well, that's 20%. And how many interactions are you going to have a day that overall will decrease some of the transmissibility of the virus, which again is why I think we're seeing a significant decrease in flu this year. Right. Because everybody, because we're hand sanitizing, washing our hands and a, a decent amount of people are wearing masks some places obviously different yeah. than others. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. I mean, because the things that we're doing to try to stop COVID mm-hmm. are helping, with, helping the with the flu, which is how come you're seeing a decrease in flu, which is less communicable than COVID. So you're having a bigger impact on it than you were having on Correct. COVID. Flu also is going to have a kind of wax and wane. Some years you'll just see so many cases of flu right. that you run out of medications to help. Some cases, some years are very light despite the masks. So I think, personally, I think that the masks are helping with that as well. And trying to, again, model that behavior is part, it comes with the job, comes with the responsibility. Of being a physician. Yeah, because again, you're talking about one of the weird things of this whole thing is the, you're not just dealing with science. You're not just dealing with medicine. You're dealing with politics. Mm-hmm. And politics have become such a part of everything. The, the, yeah, well, yeah. 
but it has become such a part of the pandemic response that um, that's one of the things that you have to deal with as well. Right. So what's it mean to you as a physician that um, the the Citizens of the Year Committee has decided to honor the medical community of Athens? When I found out, I was I was touched. Um, I love my job 95% of the time. I love going to work every day. As we talked about earlier, yeah, it some days wears me down and I would get home and be absolutely exhausted. And the first thing that I think of, the first thing that I really learned when I was going through residency, the first thing I learned when I was graduating medical school is first do no harm. I mean, it's out of the box. I'm trying not to do something that's going to cause a bigger problem. And so for me, with the other facets of the medical care right now, that was a huge, huge honor. Uh, and I'm, I'm humbled to be here talking about it because I just think of myself as just another guy. I don't try to go around being, I guess, pompous and talking about being a doctor, honestly. And so I know that there's a lot of people that help that don't get the recognition that they deserve. Uh, I know our nurses, receptionists, janitors, all these people are busting their butt day in and day out, take on the same risks of getting exposed and don't get any credit for that. And so for me, trying to focus on them getting the accolades that I think that they deserve is huge. Dr. Swarwood, thank you very much for spending some time with us today. We appreciate you taking time out of what is obviously a very busy schedule. Yeah, it's been really busy. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Um, when, when, when I was asked to do it and try to help get, get some recognition for some of the people that don't always get it, I thought that this would be a great opportunity to do that. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.